HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Tonight, Paul and I are here. And uh, let's see, Paul, what have you been up to? How you been? We got to hang out I mean, for a while. we just, we just, yeah, we just got back from Michigan. That was a lot of fun. It, uh, been back for, for a couple of days. That was a, a damn good experience. So thanks to Bobby Herta from Wicked North, Glenn Reich from Kelly Brand Management for, for bringing us up there. Man, what a great time. Uh, you know, I, this time of year, we're supposed to hate the, the state up north, but I had a great time. The people were really neat, a lot of fun, very hospitable. And the, the train, man, was wild, absolutely wild. So that's what we've been up to. That was a, a lot of fun. So it was uh, good. We did see. And I don't know. Do we want to? Well, uh, I feel like we need to do a so whole show. Recap we're we're, we're going to we're going to save. We, we got a loaded show today. So yeah. we're, I think we should save um, the the Michigan hunt story. Um, it involves wolves and a bear. I will, I will, I will, uh, what is that foreshadowing in the literary world? Andrew foreshadow foreshadow. Uh, there was a bear. We saw a bear. Uh, we named the bear Terrence. Uh, so yeah, the Michigan deer camp got a little out of hand, if I do say so. So it got, it got wild. Absolutely got wild. So, but other than that, man, I've just been digging out at work, digging out at home, enjoying it. I mean, we've only been home for a couple of days and getting ready for, or my favorite football game of the year, Ohio State versus Michigan. Yeah, buddy. It's that time. I'll be there, man. And ironically, yep, I'll, I'll on our way there. back, we got diverted through Ann Arbor, which was. We did. Annoying. Damn good pizza. I will give them that. that Damn was, good that pizza. Was, that was North Ann Arbor. Yeah, that was North Ann Arbor, though. Yeah. Yeah, really, really good. So let's uh, let's go ahead. And I, I want to say thank you to our friends at Tether, tethernation.com. Uh, I didn't do much shadow hunting. You did uh, some saddle hunting on Michigan successfully. Another little foreshadowing tidbit. Um, but yes, very, very happy with my with my tethered system so far. Uh, still learning, still trying to figure out, you know, setting up uh, stuff in the tree, you know, picking picking the best tree, picking shooting lanes. So I think all that will come with experience. Andrew, you can't take experience. You know that as well as anyone. So tetherednation.com. You can find them on, on Instagram. Uh, I believe it's just tethered or tethered nation uh, on Instagram. So thanks to our friends at go wild, man. You got a product of the week from go wild. I mean, they've got thousands of products that they're adding. I know you've seen something banging around in there. Oh, buddy. Uh, they had some really, they had some really good uh, bags. Like they, they had the, the badlands bags that were really neat. Like the, the brown ones. I, I really like those. I, I might have to pick one of those up, but that that's probably going to be, and, and they had their tactical, uh, uh, the tactical bags are like 60 bucks, like a 40 liter bag. That's a big bag. That's a good deal. So check that out. Download the app. You get free $10. If, if you subscribe, no censorship on the pl- on the social media side of things. It's a great community. It's been super active. A ton of people uh, on there putting up trophies of deer, of ducks. I know the coon hunters and the, and the, the guys running dogs are getting active. Uh, man, 
just a great time to be to be on that platform. Uh, a lot of engagement and, and people people helping people when it comes to to the tactics and and hunting. So we've also got uh, our newest our newest member of the O2 family, Andrew Midwest Gunworks, MidwestGunworks.com. If you are a tinkerer, if you like to build weapons, like to build firearms, ARs, they got freaking everything for an AR platform. They got a really neat feature for for gun parts. So you can just search by the part that you need. Very intuitive. A lot of information's in there. They've got breakdowns. Uh, the teardowns of the other of the individual firearms, man, their their library is extensive. So if you are a gunsmith uh, or want to try to be a gunsmith, great place, MidwestGunWorks.com. If you use the code Ohio Outdoors five, Andrew, you will save five percent on your purchase. Check them out. Um, they also sell firearms. They got a lot of stuff, ton of stuff on ammo, there. Uh, all kinds of stuff. ammo. Yes, yeah, sights. Um, yeah, it was a it was a, it was a good time. So. Um, thanks to our friends at uh, Firstlight, Firstlight.com. Dude, that freaking Sanctuary 2.0 jacket, lifesaver. Yeah, so finally we get to talk about layers uh, because yeah. we've been hunting in T-shirts. But when we got up there, it was cold. It, there was, it was uh, baptism by fire into that cold, which doesn't really make sense, but you know what I mean. Because it was, and we went from 70 degrees here to 15 degrees when we were out in the morning. Yeah. Almost too warm. It was Almost too yeah, warm, and, the, the, the clothes, right? Um, yeah. And I'm always usually one of those people that's like, I'm going to have more as, you know, over, over pack, over uh, layer, but definitely completely comfortable up there. No issues, you know, once I was yeah. situated and everything. So, yeah, I think that, so there were a couple of days where it was, I mean, it was like 20 degrees, but there was like a 15 mile an hour, consistent winds, gusts in the upper 20s. And that Sanctuary 2.0, the thing is freaking windproof. That's and nice. that's kind of their newest their newest model. That was a lifesaver. That's the warmest I've ever been in those conditions. Um, and if you saw, I put a post out today of the light boots. I wore those a, a, a bunch up there. I was really, really impressed with those. They're not a sponsor of the show. I just like their stuff. So, yeah, First Light, man, worth every penny. It really it really is. Yep. Uh, I mean, what's their saying? Go farther, stay longer. Something like that. Yep. And they've yep. got sales going on right now. So some the best time of the year to get some of your Up different. to 40% on a lot of stuff. So check them out. Firstlight.com. So. All right. News, Paul. Uh, All right. So we, so youth, the youths, the youths, uh, they, they went, uh, what man, 9,515 deer harvested during the youth season. I didn't get the breakdown of antlered versus uh, unantlered. I will say our buddy Mike Welsh down in down in southern Ohio sent me a picture of a couple guys or a couple young young fellas got their first deer. Dude, there there were some studs hitting the ground in Meigs County, Athens County, Benton County. So man, good good for those guys. So top counties. Who do you think for youth season, Andrew? Coshocton. Nope. Number Whoa. two, man. Coshocton number two solidly. In first place, Tuscaroras County, followed up by Muskingum. I mean, so I, I figured out all the dads and the moms are killing all the deers. <laughs> all so the, there's nothing left because we're killing the deers. Killing the deers. So, yeah, Catoctin County, uh, eat it. There you go. <laughs> what, what else you got? So November 12th was the best day for Ohio bow hunters. And um, was, we've got a date here. There was three or a, a whole list, but 3,866 deer checked on that Saturday. Uh, also November 13th was number two so far for the year of 3,105 deer. The third day was 
opening day on September 24th. We had 2,943. So does it have a breakdown of antlered versus non-antlered on November 12th? Uh, no. I mean, it's got to be like 97% of the deer taken that day were antlered, right? I don't know. Uh, I don't curious. have that in front of me. However, I think it's interesting to note. We just had Clint McCoy on who told us that weather doesn't impact it just when people go to the woods. So if you remember, November 12th was the Saturday in which you and I were driving north, and that was when all that cold weather came in. And it yeah. just now. Well, also... I mean, every every hunter in Ohio was like, oh, cold front. So, I mean, you guys were going out. Yeah. And that's the point that the scientists and the biologists say, well, the cold front brings more people out, more people, more opportunity. And, and that's the I don't know, man, I'm, I'm always I'm, I'm that's a that's a dicey one for me. I'm still still waiting. Yeah. So. To solidify my opinion. So uh, let's see, though, through November 13th. So this is just basically all bow hunters. Uh, Ohio had harvested 65,154 deer. And the average at that point was is about sixty seven. The three year average is about sixty seven. So we're down. We're down a little bit. So we got some. And we've talked about that on the show. A lot of that's hunter participation yeah. has dropped. So, but the uh, gun week is ahead of us. So that'll be a, that's a big one. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't really have a whole lot other, uh, Paul. And I, I think we've got uh, oh opt out on Black Friday. So that's another thing to think about. Uh, that idea of not going shopping but going outside. And, and doing something fun. There's all kinds of activities around yeah. the state. And anyways. Um, yeah. One of the, one of the great things is if you've already killed your buck, uh, the state does a release of pheasants at a lot of places. It's either tomorrow, Wednesday, maybe. So a lot of people that I know they're, you know, they're kind of their Thanksgiving tradition just to go out and, and hunt pheasants in the morning. So those little suckers, man, they're going to be scooting around, having a good time out in the woods. So if you want to get out on Friday and do something other than deer hunting, get a little exercise, go hunt a pheasant in the state so there what else you got any any other good news oh man no i'm still my mind is still really scattered um after this interview that we just did (laughs) because it was so great and funny and uh it was i think people are are gonna enjoy it so let's see here we've got first of all we're gonna we got a little special this is just a good special episode together yeah. We're going we're gonna to give you next week's forecast, but we're going to give it to you from somebody who actually knows something about meteorology. So we yeah. we started our uh, we're going to start this show with Andrew Buck Michael, who is a meteorologist down here in Columbus. Uh, great dude's been in Ohio for a long time, was very good to talk to and 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 run some questions by. But he gives us a little bit of a forecast as far as what to expect during gun week um, and then kind of the and, rest, after. and after yeah, and after yeah. the rest yeah. of the year. Uh, it does, you know, one of the things we always talk about is thermals. We wanted to get his, his, uh, you know, scientific uh, explanation of what thermals are. So that I thought that was good, but, uh, he was great. He's actually really good to connect with on, on Instagram and stuff. So, um, I suggest that you reach out and if, if you got any questions on what we talk about. Yeah. But then Paul, Oh man, it is the week. The week. And I'm the, not the talking game. about I'm not talking about Turkey. I'm talking about the game. No. Right. No, the game. So, number two, Ohio State, number three, Michigan at the shoe on Saturday. Damn, Andrew, what a day. What a day. I will be there. I've got tickets. I am going. Can't ask for much Can't more wait. than that. But uh yeah. So, so we were able to get together a couple uh former Buckeyes. But there it's a brotherhood. No. So it they're you know, former but 
they're still there, man. So we've got Anthony Schlegel, Jeff Hireman, both integral members of successful Buckeye, Buckeye teams over the years, but also outdoorsmen. So we get to cover... <laughs> And their buddy Kyle and their buddy Kyle. Yep, sorry, Kyle. Kyle had some audio issues in the beginning, but we got it, man. He, he uh, lives lives in Florida right now. I think he's originally from Ohio, if I recall. Does a lot of hunting. I would like to have we'll have to get Kyle back on the show, man. Yeah. It was uh, so here with these Fair warning to the audience: uh, this show is going to start very PG uh, when we're talking with with Anthony, and then uh, as the ball rolls. And people and add to the conversation. It probably gets into the R-rated uh, discussion. It is definitely yes. There this are is, uh, yeah. This needs to be explicit. <laughs> I, you and I, yeah, you and I don't have a problem with. We're just giving you fair warning. There are uh, a lot of f bombs. There's some really good stories about Urban Meyer and Jim Trestle and Bobby Carpenter and Schlegel and Hireman and all these guys and Billy Boone. Man, Billy Boone. And you freaking, don't know who Billy Boone is until you listen oh, to Jeff tell you about Billy so Boone. Jet. While while we're doing, we just finished this. I mean, Jeff, Jeff Hireman sent me a text. Another Billy Boone story. Look at, the, look at how long that is. <laughs> I can't wait to read this, man. I, I got to meet this guy, Billy Boone. So, man, I mean, they took us into the locker room. They took us into the brotherhood about being an Ohio State player, what the you know, what the game means to them and, and what that was like and what hunting means to them and fishing and and all of that. So it was really great to 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 hear uh, just to hear the stories, man. And uh, I really, really enjoyed that episode. So thanks to those three guys, Anthony, Kyle, and Jeff, for, for your time and 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 for for just sharing your, your experiences with us. So absolutely. It's so. a fun episode, man. And if you're not an Ohio State fan, uh, Marcus Badger talking to you specifically. Um, thanks for listening. You're probably going to hang up or, uh, <laughs> or, or or hit stop at this point. But uh, he's been running his mouth on Instagram. Yeah, he got us yeah, he'll send me. He'll say, "Oh, we're coming for you, man." I'm like, oh, "I'm ready. Let's go, buddy." So, yeah, anywho, good stuff, folks. You get out in the woods. Be safe. All right, gun season. Wear yeah. your orange. Follow your rules. You know, no deer is worth it's coming. No deer is worth not coming home. Right. So make yeah. sure. Yeah, be safe. That you're safe out there. Good luck. Uh, shoot yeah. straight. Right, Luther and yeah, Luther. Uh, yeah, you'll hear about that next. <laughs> and you know, man, we'd be remiss if we didn't say that we're, you know, we're grateful for you guys listening to the show. I'm gonna say thankful. Thanksgiving's just a few days away, man. Yep. I I know that personally I've had a lot of fun meeting the, you know, a lot of the listeners, interacting with you guys. And, you know, we just try to we try to have fun. We try to cut up as the saying goes and just and just make this a light hour and a half uh you know for you guys to just check out and listen to some cool people and some cool stories during your day and man i am so grateful for each and every one of you listening giving us the reviews following us on social media interacting with us the support has been uh it's been phenomenal and it's been unexpected quite frankly and i i'm very very grateful for each and every one of you 100 percent echo what paul just said so yeah. um but take care everybody and we'll look forward to talking with you next week have thanksgiving go box be blue All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Um, today, Paul and I are here, and we are uh, joined with our special guest, uh, Mr. Andrew Buck Michael. And uh, if you're not from Central Ohio, uh, Andrew is one of the local meteorologists. We figured I was sitting in the stand one day, and I said, "Paul, you know what? We need to get a meteorologist on to talk about weather because all us deer hunters talk about is weather, but we need a real weather person." And he said. Well, you got to get the guy who's got Buck in his name. That's the only obvious choice. So we were privileged enough to 
be able to catch you uh, for a minute here. How are you doing today? Doing great. How are you guys doing? We're getting geared up for uh, gun season next week, so um, that's part of the what we're going to talk about. But do you want to give every the listeners a little background uh, um, of yourself, introduction? Sure, yeah. So I have lived in Ohio my entire life. I grew up out in western Ohio, out on a farm, and uh, I moved around to Ohio, went to Ohio State for four years, met my wife there. I worked in Lima, Ohio for about a year, a freelance in Fort Wayne, Indiana, went down to Dayton for about three years, and I've been now in Columbus for a little over 10 years now doing the uh, weather. Typically started out in the weekends and then transitioned to a uh, Monday through Friday gig. So that's where I'm at now. I do the morning show in Columbus. I love it. Uh, it's great. And i uh, been really blessed that I haven't had to leave Ohio. A lot of people, when they get into TV, they got to go out to uh, middle of nowhere, basically South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana. But I was really lucky to kind of keep it all in Ohio. That's awesome. And to anybody who wants to know, you know, sometimes weather weather people get a bad rap, but um, when we were trying to set this up, your schedule is not like the average person's schedule. And when you told me that you work from 2 a.m. to 10 a.m., I'm sitting there thinking, wait, what? And that you're going to bed at 7 o'clock and we got to figure out, like, whoa, totally did not expect that. So kudos to you. Thanks. Yeah, I got to get in there early. A lot of people are like, I, I, why do you have to get so early? I was like, same as like Thanksgiving dinner. There's a lot of work that goes into it before you actually get to feast down. So before anybody turns on the TV, there's a lot of work to do the forecast and update the website, graphics, and everything before we get started. That's great. So if we get like a crazy storm that rolls through a thunderstorm or tornadoes or a snowstorm, do do you stay late just to cover that? Do you yeah, all we're basically up and excited? Like we're on call twenty four seven. So if there's a big breaking event. Uh, sometimes though, if it would happen more towards the evening before my normal shift would start, they would basically have someone else come in rather than have me stick around because they want to make sure that someone's fresh for the next day. So that way they're not dragging, but yeah, basically if there's a big event, especially severe weather, um, it's very common to end up getting called in on your day off or anytime really. Very good. That's great. So this is going to release on November 23rd so the day before thanksgiving and obviously uh coming up there on the next monday we've got the opener to our gun season and we want to know what do you see as far as what should people be thinking about when it comes to going out into the woods and just uh you know we've had a weird year to start the hunting season which started september 24th for deer sorry anybody who's not a deer deer person like i am i apologize but the uh up until a week or so ago, I was going out to the woods in short sleeves and that was, and then Paul and I went up North and it was like, welcome to the North pole. Um, but what are we, what are we going to be looking for at at next week? And and what can people expect? Well, right now it is looking like a kind of a cool start. We'll be in the forties or fifties to start, but we may be pushing into the sixties towards the end of next week for, uh, for gun season. So I think it's going to be warm. So it's not going to be a, situation where you're layered up out there waiting for something to happen but i think that it does look like it's going to be fairly dry and i know i've talked to several hunters i get asked a lot of times like hey where can i find this specific type of weather information Uh, for instance i know one hunter that goes a lot off of the pressure so he's like i need to know when we're going to have high pressure so it does look like we will have a lot of high pressure next week with basically a lot of sunshine um, I would say pretty dry, but by the end of the week, it will start to see maybe a little bit of rain. So I think that there may be a little rain from time to time, but the, uh, generally it's looking dry most of the week. 
so is that a high pressure system then? Is it what we call yeah. it? You get kind of clear weather and stable. Yeah. So basically, a high amount of pressure pushing down on the clouds and eventually squashing them out. If high pressure is right over top of you, low pressure just there's not as much pressure. Low amount of pressure pushing down, and that allows for more clouds and typically cold fronts or warm fronts where you're going to get the rain. So no rain or little rain, maybe in the end of the week. Pretty high pressure, all that kind of stuff. Uh, what about winds? Is that something that you can project at this point? Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on where you're situated before uh, the the changing of those the high and low pressure. Because basically, you get winds when that high amount of pressure is pushing down. It's pushing or draining into some area of low pressure. So around the area of high pressure here in the northern hemisphere, you'll get the winds to spin around clockwise, low pressure the other way. So as far as winds for next week, and I can pull it up and kind of get a good idea of what we're looking at, um, they're going to be kind of fluctuating throughout the week. They're not going to be coming up from the same direction all week long. So generally when you have high pressure as well, you're not going to have much of a breeze. So it'll kind of fluctuate throughout the week. But I would say as of right now, it does not look to be an excessively windy start to the week. Um, and especially if you're getting high pressure with clear skies, you're going to have light winds for most of the time. It's good stuff. Did, uh, okay, so what, what, what do you foresee? Sorry, I might have a little lag here. What do you, Buck, what do you foresee, like kind of the weather pattern that we have for really the rest of, of 2022? Anything, anything crazy, uh, any, you know, big cold fronts maybe on the horizon. So Connors are real interested in that. Yeah. So an interesting thing is that Jim Ganahl, if anybody's ever lived in central Ohio, Jim Ganahl has been around for, uh, he's over four decades now doing the weather here in Columbus and he works for our station and it's interesting. He, his rule of thumb is you got to see where the jet stream is set up for the start of December, wherever it sets up December 1st, typically, uh, the overall pattern for the rest of the winter will stay kind of the same. And as of right now, it's basically looking to dive from the Pacific Northwest down towards, um, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, and then take a hard turn back up North over Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan. At least that's what it's looking like now, since we're kind of looking at the forecast models, what it's looking like for. So in that general trend, that would put us in a very mild and a wet winter. So I would say probably below normal snowfall for Columbus and central Ohio. It obviously changes once you get closer to Lake Michigan and Lake Erie. You get a lot more of that lake effect snow. But I would say it's probably going to be less snow than normal for us, but milder this winter and probably rounds of rain where it's not going to rain constantly, but you'll probably get these systems to come through every four or five days or so where you're getting a lot of rain. Now, if you time out the cold blast of air at the right time and all of that rain, then you're going to get dumped on with snow. But I would say it looks to be a pretty active winter as far as systems coming in pretty regularly and fairly mild. So I would say it's going to be a little bit more rain than snow this winter. There's a lot of kids out there that just got broken hearts uh, hearing lots of rain and no snow. So, um, so I, go ahead, Paul. Oh, go ahead, Andrew. Nope, you're up. So I, th- I think it's Jim Ganahl that always talks about it, the Bell Fountain Ridge. Yeah, he does talk about that. Okay, I hear uh, he talks. He's been talking about it for years, decades, probably four decades. So, what what impact does Bell Fountain Ridge have on the weather system in Central Ohio? And this is a very selfish question because I've always been curious because he always just talks about it and just moves right on into it. He talks about it, but then he doesn't (laughs) explain it. So he doesn't explain it. I know. So what's interesting is, like for instance, the uh, elevation between 
where it is in Bellfountain, which is the highest point in Ohio and Columbus, the elevation in Bellfountain is twice as high as what it is in Columbus. So when you get these systems that come through that are right on the edge, where we're, you know, maybe 34, 35 degrees, that extra little bit of elevation does typically give them more snow than what we would get here in Columbus because they're a little higher elevation. Again, it's not much. We're, we're Ohio. It's not like it's the mountains out west or anything. But what will happen is it tends to be a little bit colder up there near the ridge. And sometimes that will impact the systems as far as how, and it's going to be more of like the discrete thunderstorms you would get in the summer because they typically don't like to go around ridges. They want it to be nice and flat and just the area of least resistance. So the ridge sometimes will kind of play into the track of where some of those storms will go if there's not a big forcing mechanism with them. So I guess the big thing is just it can kind of direct some of the weaker systems and then also just tend to get a little bit more snow in that area. Well, I mean, he specifically moved in central Ohio to the, the highest elevation he could get around Columbus just so he could be around more snow. <laughs> um, Smart man. While we're on the, the topics of the of the hills, mountains, whatever we're going to call them, can you give us a, a little bit of a, a meteorologist perspective on a thermal? And and we talk about that a lot in the in the hunting world, uh, you know the way my pea brain understands it, but I, and, and a lot of us, but I, I'm curious, I want to know like the science behind what a thermal is. And, and like you said, we're flat for the most part, but you get a Valley, you get a, you know, some parts of the Eastern part of the state, different things like that, where those can come into play. Can you give us a rundown real quick on what those are? Yeah, we got a lot of hollows. I mean, I do a lot of trail running, so you can, you can tell this sometimes when you're just out there doing something like that. So typically to boil it down, the sun-exposed side, the air is going to be lifting because it's warming. But then if you're on the shaded side of the uh, the mountain or the ridge, if you're on that shaded side, that air is a lot cooler. So it's sinking and it kind of goes down to the bottom of that valley and then it lifts back up on the sunnier side where it's warmer and that air is lifting itself back up. So um, in each, obviously, if you're in like a north-south ridge or east-west, that may slightly change based off of the overall wind direction but on generally a calm day it's going to go up on the warmer side the sunnier side and down on the cooler side there you go paul that's what we've been doing wrong been riding the ridges wrong fail that's it can you guys hear me yeah yeah you're there coming through bits okay and pieces. sorry yeah it's been it's been i only heard a, a portion of that so so buck i Explain this to me like I'm a child. We don't have to get super deep into this, but, but so on my weather app, Dark Sky, it has like the the time machine is what they call it. So you can put a date in and just change the date. And I, I think I picked like November 14th, which is the peak of the rut for deer for the bell curve of the breeding season. And then I looked at the weather days, and you know, so we'd have a stretch of you know 40 degrees, then we'd have a stretch of 19 degrees, then we'd have a couple 65, 70 degree days. So what what impacts those weather? And is it really as cyclical? Is it as I, as I think it is. I mean, it just looked like a couple of years here and then it just like slides and then it just resets down to, okay, it's going to be 18 degrees that day and it just builds up. November is an interesting time for Ohio because we are getting into some of the, we're transitioning into those cooler days. So you can get these really strong blasts of Arctic air. And that's what we're having this year. I mean, we were well above normal to start the month for the first seven, eight days. I mean, it was 77 degrees the first Saturday of the month, super warm. And then all of a sudden we get this really strong blast of cold air and they've had cold air out in the plains 
a few weeks before we did. And so it was just finally they get a couple of these systems to come through and eventually our warm air finally gave out and you just get this blast of cold air. So uh, it's going to change a lot in November from year to year. There's really no um, pattern to compare one year to the next year to the next year. It just it comes down to just the timing of when eventually that colder air finally makes its way in. That's a good good deal. So I think I know the answer to this question. And do you, do you have a serious question, Andrew Months? Because this is not a serious question. No. Nope. Oh shoot. Are we gonna have a white Christmas? That's what everyone really really wants to know. It only happens twenty five percent of the time, so that's still up in the air. Again, I think that the the odds say no, but hey, twenty five percent. I mean, you can you can make the bet if you want to. <laughs> That's funny. probably not going to happen. And we have what eight, ten inches of snow a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was great on Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one. Yep. So, so I, I do, I do want to ask how much, how much hate do you get online when you say it's going to snow and it doesn't, or if you say ten inches and it's four? It's, I mean, it's just like so. I was a golf course superintendent for years, and it's always like your fault, regardless of what the weather does that you suck at your job and people are like, well, you can't grow grass. I'm like, well, it's been 104 the last eight days. What do you want me to do? And so you're like the, like you are absolutely at the mercy of mother nature. And that's gotta be really hard because people get so upset at the weather, man. Talk about that. The I've, what I've noticed is that the people that tend to get the most upset are the people that aren't listening to the details of how dynamic some of the weather systems are. For instance, earlier this year, the February system that we had where we had all of that sleet, we were saying, you know, where where the cutoff is, where the sleet is. Every hour that you get sleet, it's going to be one inch less of snow. So, for instance, in Columbus, we got maybe two inches of snow, and it was primarily all just sleet. However, if you went to the north, Bucyrus, where it was all snow, there were a, they had a foot of snow. So it all comes down to where, I mean, it's it's a difference of one or two degrees. So there are times when people get really upset, but a lot of times, and I kind of sometimes use the analogy of horse betting. Would you make a bet four or five days out or would you hold off and maybe talk to someone who knows what they're doing, like the horse trainer, right before the race gets started? You got to get that information right before it happens so that way it's as accurate as possible. I mean, look at the Kentucky Derby this year. That horse wasn't even in the race a week before the race and then it was put in and it won the race. So the best thing uh, to do is when, especially if anybody's you know, going out hunting or has some sort of special event or there's a big weather system coming in and they hear there's going to be a bunch of snow. Don't rely on trying to get the data from Facebook or anything like that. You really want to find someone in that specific area where you're going to be the local meteorologist because they're invested. I mean, I spend a lot of extra time when there's a really dynamic weather system where it's rain or sleet or that freezing rain mix and spend a lot of time going through and sometimes what I'll do, if it's an interesting system, too, where you're like, all right, if we cool down two more degrees, this is all snow. It's going to be a foot. But if we warm up two degrees, we're going to get a lot of ice. So if I and I typically do have the time on air, I'll play through the different scenarios and just kind of say, hey, if it's colder where you live, Mountain Ridge, as we were just talking about, you're going to end up with a lot more snow. But in other areas and we see it here in Columbus, the topography plays a big part in it. The Scioto River Valley. You'll get warm air to kind of push up underneath of the, all this older, colder air above it. And we typically end up getting more rain and ice in the Columbus area just because of the river valley with the side of river. And you don't really think about it much and you can't see it when you're driving around, but it does play a factor in sometimes these weather events when they come in. That's great information. So, great. 
So, so does the like the heat of the city? I mean, so that is it. Is it just you know the buildings and all the pavement? Does that change the weather systems coming in, in the winter time and in the summertime with thunderstorm? I mean, how many times we watch a massive thunderstorms coming in and then just dissipates on the radar? Is that driven by the heat of the city? So I've had a very interesting thought of this, and I don't know if there's ever been any honest study done on it. And I've honestly thought about trying to go back, maybe getting my master's and trying to do some sort of um, replica or. Um, a small diagram where basically you have the city and as you mentioned, I mean, the heat of the buildings and all that other stuff holds on, especially in the summertime. So that air, just like we were talking about there with the mountain thermals, it's a lot hotter. So that air is going to be rising up a lot faster. So that air has to be replaced with something else when it's rising, something else has to fill in. So I live on the West side of Columbus. And if the wind is blowing from the West, which that's normally our prevailing wind, you have to have that air then that's, rising being filled in so i think there's there's probably some sinking air on the west side of columbus and as we were talking about low pressure those clouds they need it to be rising so if you have sinking air right leading into the city coming in from the west then it does tend to weaken or completely dissipate some of those thunderstorms so i think there is something to that to my knowledge and i've looked it up before I don't know if there's ever been anybody that's done like a small scale study of that, but I think it would be something really cool to potentially spend a year or two building a model city and doing a bunch of tests. Well, and so on, that's the, the nerd. on the flip side of that, Paul and I are on the other side. We're on the east side. And for whatever reason, once that stuff comes around the city or breaks up, it always dumps right on top of us. So, uh, well, yeah, because you have that you have the rising air over the city. So, yeah, the rising air. And if anything comes in. It typically boosts the storm because it just helps that extra get lift in the atmosphere. And that's what you need. You need the lift in the atmosphere to get those storms to really fire up. That's interesting. And, and Patascala, where we're at, if it's two to five, it's two in Columbus, it's five in Patascala, you know, for, for, for snowfall. And it's just, I mean, it's routine that it's, that it's like that. So it's amazing so too that as flat as Ohio is that just something like that is, I mean, relatively small scale, but, you can't see it, but it it does have a small impact. It's crazy. Yeah. Buck, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. My a lot of my handles are Andrew W S Y X six. On Facebook, it's Andrew Buck Michael. You can just look it up there. But I'm pretty active on all those platforms. Um, but yeah, and I have a question for you guys. Yeah, you guys may know the answer to this. I've been driving a lot back in Western Ohio, visiting my parents and whatnot over the past few weeks. Is does ODNR put out how much deer they anticipate each season? Because I have seen more deer than ever the past few weeks when I'm driving around. Go ahead, Andrew. Are you, this, is, this is a good question. Are you talking about live deer or dead deer on the side of the no road? live deer? Okay, because it's, it's a it's a my daughter. She's seven years old, and we have bets on how many deer we're going to see while we're driving between the two of them. My wife claims I can't find the ketchup in the pantry, but I can spot deer from a mile or two miles out when we're driving on the highway. Actually, oh, I love it. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had some DNR people on and um, they do different ways of calculating the population. I think they would all uh, agree that the population is very high right now um, and that they would like to see some of it reduced. And uh, we just had Clint McCoy on uh, and he's been he does some of, from the air surveillance, counting the deer and, and different things just to try to get an idea of what the, what the herd population looks like. So. And there are some of those kind of Northwestern counties have a, I, I mean, they have a, they're overpopulated. 
with with whitetail deer. So, I mean, we were driving through that, you know, down 23, headed to Michigan, and we saw a ton of deer in fields. And, you know, the, the, the breeding season's kind of at its peak the last, you know, two or three weeks. So, I mean, you get a lot of daytime movement, uh, which which definitely means you see it more often. So, yeah, good stuff. Hey, Buck, if, you, if you'll stay on the line for a second after we get done, I'm going to go ahead and uh, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, we look forward to uh, hearing your your forecast here moving forward and uh hopefully this helps the listeners next week with when they get out in the woods so thanks guys yep take care all right what's up everybody welcome back uh tonight paul and i've got a very special guest and mr anthony schlegel former buckeye great linebacker anthony how are you doing tonight doing great brother doing great guys appreciate you having me on i was actually texting hireman because paul talked about him so yeah, get him on, man. I, that's funny. I was just going to text him, like, hey, hop on, hop on. So I told yeah, him, hit, hey, hit so up. he's got 40, 20 minutes or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, he's got the link. He knows what to do. So, man, this is, this is, uh, so first off, tell, tell our listeners that, uh, that live under a rock, uh, who you are and, uh, and, and where you're from and what you're doing right now. Oh, my goodness, guys. I mean, my backstory is absolutely crazy. Um, I'm actually so born in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and um, moved to Texas when I was really young. My dad was a college and high school football coach. Uh, went down there and grew up in Dallas uh, most of my life. Met my wife at DeSoto High School, and um, then I ended up transferring to Highland Park. Was a state champion wrestler. I had more scholarships wrestling than I did in football, but I ended up going to the Air Force Academy to play football. Played there for two seasons. I uh, was a team captain my sophomore year that I ended up transferring to Ohio State. Played there in 04 and 05. Got drafted by the Jets in the third round. Played with the Jets and the Bengals. Um, ended up going back to Ohio State as a strength conditioning coach in 2011. Won a national championship with the Buckeyes in 14. Uh, you know, kind of had an opportunity to go be a head strength coach, and that's what everybody's dream is. But I had three small kids, and I really didn't – want to move and I just received an MBA from Ohio State and um, I kind of saw where the the business of strength and conditioning and college athletics was going and you're really the chief operating officer of the LLC right so you got Ryan Day he's the CEO of the LLC Ohio State football then you have you know your coordinators etc but Mickey Marotti who's the head strength coach there is one of the best greatest of all time you know, he's, he's a chief operating officer, so everything that you do, I just wanted that skill set, went and did my MBA. And then after that 14 season, we were elite at the fundamentals, which, again, bow hunting, we'll talk all about hunting and all those things, but people that are elite at the fundamentals are the ones that are going to win, whether it's in business, whether it's in football, whether it's executing a shot in the field, like be, be elite at the fundamentals. So I, I end up making a product. Uh, called the different striking machine and really made it for urban. And it was a way of working on hand striking, which everybody in the game of football has to strike. It was a way of putting it onto a weight rack. So think of a football sled spring loaded striking mechanism that you can fit to a squat rack. And then, uh, so I got out of football, started that business. And then we're in like, I don't know, 27 NFL teams and 120 division one colleges now and hundreds of high schools. So I've just been doing that. And then when urban, Got the job in Jacksonville. Um, he asked me to be his head straight coach. So I moved to Jacksonville. I was the head straight coach for the Jaguars last year. And then, you know, things happen and we no longer are employed and that happens. So 
you know, now I got the opportunity of hanging out with my family and chasing whitetail in Ohio and still running my business. So it's all good. So did you grow up hunting? Yeah. So that, that hunting, that my hunting background, Andrew and I were just kind of talking about a little bit, guys. I, so my dad took me to this gym and it all starts with like training. My dad took me to this gym called Metroflex gym. If anybody's out there that wants to look it up, look it up. It's, it's real. It's a hardcore gym. I, I went in there. I was 12 years old. And, and I mean, this is like 92. So they're playing just mother F music, Tupac. I mean, crazy stuff. I walk in there and my eyes lit up and it's just dirty. I mean, there's a hole in the back that has like a piece of plywood with a 25 pound weight counterbalance on it as like some ventilation in the back of the room. And they have two bay doors. Like that's it. And you're in Texas and they got big fans. And I was like, this is just like, in my mind, it was Rocky four. That's what it was like his training. So Brian Dobson, the owner of Metroflex gym, hog hunter. I mean, like, you know, um, just an awesome guy. I mean, straight up hill jack. Okay. And are the bay dogs and the, and the catch dogs, like they were literally, there's a dog kennel on the backside of the, of the wave room, you know, outside. And he was like, Hey, you want to go hog hunt with me? I was like, absolutely. I have no clue what's going on. So I go load these dogs up. He shows me how to put on the cut collar, shows me how to put on the cut vest. And I'm 16 years old. And it's, you know, I help him clean up the gym and we leave at about nine o'clock at night. This is in the summer of Texas. And we drive two hours to East Texas on a ranch that he had access to go hog hunting. Yeah. First time he gave me some janky, you know, headlight and that's it, you know? And so I'm running around the briars and we're killing pigs and I mean, I have no clue. He's like, listen, you can't turn your headlight on until I tell you. So you're walking around with no light, kind of feeling your way, but you get it, you get used to it. He has this old, like, I forget the name of the, of the tracking collar he had, but it was big and he'd pull it out and he'd find the beep and then like, oh, they're this way. And he had a, he ran an open mouth dog and you couldn't hear him and we track him and then I could hear him because he was open on trail. Anyways, long story short, that's how I got into it into hunting was hog hunting in Texas with, with dogs and a knife. And then I ended up having my own pack of dogs and, and hunted. I mean, I probably killed well over seven, 700 pigs in my life, all with a knife. I matter of fact, I didn't shoot an animal. Did I, did I, I miss the part? Did I miss the part in the, in the beginning when you said with a knife? Yeah, that's all. I mean, oh, yeah, man. it was the best. I mean, I had stories. I mean, there was, there was one time and, the things that I've done out there, I mean, I, I swam the Trinity River. I mean, it was, I can't even swim. I mean, you know, I got bad shoulders and I sink like a rock and I dog paddle. I remember one night we, I killed probably one of my biggest boars ever. And he was up in this thicket. And one of my, I'd say a help dog who was young, he was like a year and a half, struck this pig as we we're going to the river where my best dogs were. And his name was Bill. And Bill, like, struck this pig. I'm like, oh, man, that's a pig. And I had my one buddy there. And we walk hunted the entire time. There wasn't four-wheelers. Like, we just walk hunted. And it was kind of like my conditioning. But anyway, so we go over there, and we cut the dogs loose. Boom. And I had I had Lex and Victor with my catch dogs. They were cat does. 
that's a Catahoula Dogo mix. It's something you run in the South because they don't get overheated like a Dogo does. Anyways, I'm running up in this thicket, and all of a sudden, there goes my best catch dog, and there goes my second best catch dog, and then they like I'm meeting them as they go back in, and then there's this like 380 pound boar, and end up stabbing it, and I drag it out of there close to you know down the hill to where you can mark it. And then we go into the river and next thing I know, like the dogs were on the bank because I could hear them and now they're all the way across the Trinity. So the only way around was to like go back and I didn't want them to drown. So I just ended up swimming it, stabbed that pig and then floated it back across, you know, and got in the truck and it was like 35 degrees too. So, I mean, oh you know, that's hunting. And then, and then I, the, the boar, I just cut its head off. And then the other one was a sow and I just backpacked it out of there and we cooked it at the gym. The next day we would take out this, we had a, a like a portable chin up rack and we would just take the metal clips and chains off of the cable machines and just, just hook up dead pigs <laughs> to it and skin them. It was amazing. You know, it, uh, it was, I mean, I, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade my upbringing for anything. Dorothy, That's an incredible story. Dorothy, you're not in Kansas anymore, right? I just oh, feel like shit. we just got taken into a different world of hunting, Paul. And I thought we knew something <laughs> about hunting, so. You need to oh, book say, me. I mean, book me for that trip. Then. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. I, I tell you what, it was uh, the the best thing about it was just you know working your dogs. I mean, there's really no difference in you know you having like I use Cuddy back, right? So I got the Cuddy link, and I'm looking at the inventory of the deer, and you know, like man, we got to take a lot of does next year. I was like, next year at the farm opening weekend, we're having a doe party. Um, but you're doing it because I'm looking at what we got. I have a 16 year old and his two buddies that I introduced into bow hunting, they want to take one. So I'm like, okay, here guys, I got 17 stands based on the wind. This is where we're going to hunt. This is how you're going to access it. It's all the setup and the planning that goes into it. Very similar to people that fish, very similar to people that run dogs. It's all the same. It's the preparation for the one opportunity. And guess what? That's football. It's 365 days of training, especially now this week at Ohio state. 365 days till you played that team up north last year and got beat. Now you got, you got a chance, right? And that's it. That's all you got. So it's just, it's why we do it. Yeah. So I, I'm ready to talk about Ohio state football or hunting. I do have, I do have one question. So you're, you're hunting pigs with a knife, which is freaking amazing. When did you get into to, to archery hunting for deer? Was that, no, down I, in Texas too, because no, that's the land of big deer down there. Well, it is. I mean, Texas is. You know, it, it it depends on where you are. You know, there's the Golden Triangle. There's East Texas, completely different. Um, you got some North Texas, Oklahoma deer that are that are pretty good size. Um, my father-in-law had a deer lease basically in Central Texas, and it was always a good time going down there. Uh, 140, 150 max, probably that you would get down there. Now, I actually shot one with a rifle, um, <clears throat> I think in 2004 was the first time I ever shot an animal, um, and that was with a rifle. And then I got into bow hunting when I came uh, after that season at Ohio State. I got into bow hunting my senior year. Now I was hunting out at a, um, a buddy of mine who I played with at the Air Force Academy. His, his parents are the Messeralls. They own a tree farm out in Alexandria in Licking County big buck so i'd go out there and, and hunt and pretty much took a dope because when you're in season it's just so hard to get out you know you have like one afternoon or one morning a week max but you also got to go perform so you're balancing all your training it's just 
something that you get a chance to do. So I enjoyed shooting. I mean, I used to go in there, everybody would be out of the woody haze and I would go in there and just bring my bow and a target. And I would just shoot, you know, late and I'd watch film and then I'd get kind of bored and I'd go shoot some arrows and I'd go back in and watch some film. It was awesome. So that's kind of when I got introduced into bow hunting and then obviously in the league and I've been bow hunting ever since it's, Archery is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, I, I could shoot for three hours a day and just in a blink of an eye, and you're just, you're just lost because you're just always trying to perfect your setup. And I make mistakes about that all the time. Like I I forgot why I use a dovetail, and it's because I shoot with both eyes open and I need it further away. But then I found this because I shoot a Hoyt and they got that pick, you know, picket rail or whatever system. I was like, oh, this would be more in line. So I found the adapter for my spot hog. And I'm like, damn thing is blurry. You know, I was like, I got to go back to my duck tail. I'm doing this right in the middle of season. I did it like a week ago. I was like, what am I doing? But yeah, that's what you do. You're messing around all the time, trying to perfect your anchor point. You know, how can I acquire the, the sight picture of a deer? <clears throat> Looking at the deer when you're sitting in the stands, where can I shoot them? Every time they come out, like, what, what what's my... You know, when can I draw back? What is that corn row? Okay, that's at 30, that's 35, that's 40. I know where they are. They come from this direction or that direction. You know, you're picking out your shots, but it, that's why you love it. That's why you do it all the time. And I've been able to introduce my kids into, into archery too. So, and all their buddies, which is the best. How, do the, how are the boys picking it up? They love it? Oh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> since we've been in Florida, all of our stuff's in Ohio. So after the season, I'll bring it down so we can shoot. You know, and I told my oldest, I mean, he's shooting, I don't know what he's shooting, something that he's had since he was 12. It's like cranked down all the way, it's probably 50 pounds. I'm like, bro, you can't get a real dude bow until you take one with it. It's like kind of the thing. Like, you can't just buy a new bow, you know, if you haven't taken something with the old one, you know? So it's like, you got you to gotta go earn yeah. it. Yeah. That's great. I actually That's think cool. I think I bought my Christmas tree from that, uh, that tr- Christmas tree farm you're talking about last year, but I'll have to go back and look at that. That's because uh, yeah, we're, we're out that way. So that's Alec yeah. Meserol. I remember playing football against. Him. I went to. I grew up in Johnstown, so oh, Northridge. Yeah, Northridge yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right down, right down the street. Yeah, that was our. I remember that guy. I, I don't think I've ever met him, but I I remember the name Alec Meserol. Is that yep. that's probably who you're talking about? Yeah, he was that's he was him. a good player. Yeah, small yeah, world, Tommy, man. Tommy Franks. Um, yeah, Tommy shot a lot of big deer. Um, they had their own little group of dudes, man. It was, Again, that's just that was from the Air Force Academy, and I came to Ohio State, and you know, and then like, I I go to Vance's a ton because I know all those guys, and 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 um, Vance's supported the Buckeye Cruise for Cancer, and I, mean, I used to sell hog hunting trips on the Buckeye Cruise for Cancer. I mean, we probably done, I don't know, back in the day, like sixty thousand dollars for the donations to the Buckeye Cruise, and I would take people hog hunting in Texas, and it was funny because all the people that bid on the hog hunts. We're dentists. There's something about, I guess, <laughs> looking at people's mouths all day that makes you want to go to Texas and stab that so. That's funny. Hey, Anthony, when you That's... when it came to the uh, in the season, and I mean, obviously, both in your collegiate and then after uh, life. I mean, the meat and potatoes of your career and your and your job is during hunting season. So, how did you still find a way to kind of sneak that in there? I mean, obviously, shooting and you know, in between film sessions and stuff. But to actually get out into the field, is it something that you just had to take, you know, a day or an afternoon, or is it was it something that didn't happen until after the season was done? Or, you know, it's one of those things where 
you know, you would prep before deer season and I have a blind, something I could access quickly. Um, or, you know, like it, I would probably do it on, on our Monday morning. Cause in college, that was your off day or it was Tuesday, or if you had a bye week you know, during the season or in the NFL, like that's when you would take advantage of it. And you would literally just go hunt all day. You, know? like you I hoped it was in like the second week of November and, and that would be. Right, you're just hoping. And it never was. It was always for me like mid-October, which is absolutely trash. So it was like, I was like, whatever. But I mean, again, you're not doing it necessarily for the, you know, just to kill something. Like you're doing it to be out. And if something happens, and again, you get out where you put out. So the expectation level of you actually shooting mature deer during the times that I got it, we're probably slim and none. It's not like back then I had access to trail cameras or you knew what was going on. Like you were just, you know, if it was in October, like trying to hunt some food sources, hopefully, hopefully you see a bachelor group. If it happened to be during the rut or pre ruts, like, all right, I'm going to go look at some, where they rubbing, like where they habitually have, like you don't really know. So you're just trying to set up, in the best position possible for the time that you're in the woods. Now it's a little bit different because I kind of know where they are or where they're bedding, but then it's like, can I access that based on that win appropriately? So there's a lot more to it, but still at the end of the day, the lessons you learn just from being in the field, I think are as vital as just sitting there trying to go shoot a buck, you know, because it's, it's the, like, how do you look for deer? Like that's, that's a whole uh, methodology in and of itself, right? And, and practicing like, okay, can I actually take my, I got three doe around me and I see a buck out there. Like, how do I look at that to even know, right? Can I, or do I need to, you know, where do I hang my bow hanger so I have easy access to my bow without making a ton of movement? How, how do I really set up a tree stand to where I have a lot of cover and don't overcut, which I think is probably the number one thing that hunters do is overcut. You know, so how do I find the right tree in the right area and then maybe, you know, cut some things down to make it where they have to go through this as opposed to me having a set up onto where they're going. Maybe I could, you know, create some roadblocks for them to funnel them in front of my stand because that tree's better for my setup, you know, to not be detected. Like all those things go into it by just being in the field, you know, and observing. I think that's something that a lot of people forget that's basically film study in the game of football. So every time I, I take it, every time I'm out in the woods, it's like film study. You know, I'm just seeing where, where they're traveling, where could I have another setup and, and then go from there. But you're always learning and, and, and getting educated. Well, and while I think, you're out there. I'm sure it's like a lot of things in life, but comparing it to, you know, the, the, the football career and stuff, all that hard work you put in, in the off season, the weights, the conditioning, all that stuff leads up to that big moment, right? It's, it's the Saturday, uh, that's in front of us here, but like that's as, as a hunter and just an average Joe hunter, you know, we sit here and all, all day long, just try to figure out how we're, uh, uh, Oh, we've got a new guest here. So, uh, no, Jeff, no, keep going. I'm listening, Jeff, brother. Jeff Hireman is in <laughs> Jeff, the chat. Jeff, I love it. How you guys doing? <laughs> sit back, relax. Well, welcome, man. Thanks for hopping on Jeff. <laughs> Now we're, uh, I'm Jeff, by the way. What are you guys' names? Andrew uh, this and Paul. Andrew and Paul. Andrew and Paul. What's up, dude? Slave, what's up, bro? What's up, man? I love it. Like, my How are you? I'm good, buddy. How about I'm this? Good, you know, funny, funny story about Slaves. We're sitting in the uh, in the airport, fucking you know, <laughs> butt butt crack at dawn flight, like you know, five forty five, wheels up, 
and sitting there and, you know, slags, see slags, we chopping it up and we're hanging out, you know, and I can, this dude, he's got fanboys coming up to him in the airport. I mean, why we're sitting there <laughs> coming up, slags, slags, oh man, love you on the radio, blah, blah, blah. I'm sitting there. I'm like, motherfucker, you know? Hey. Like, hey, you know, hey, I'm Jeff, actually. You know, I, I, I used, yeah, I used to play at Iowa State, too, you know. The national championship team? Yeah, tw- yeah, 20, yeah, yeah, 2014. Jeff, it's me. Don't pre at me. Is it like these fanboys that have, have uh, boxes of cereal with, with Anthony on it? Is it? I will admit, I was, never on the, I was never on the front of a cereal box. Hey, 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 Andrew, read the back of that. So, this, I mean, again, you have A.J. Hawk, Bobby Carpenter, and then this is what they put on the back of mine for my, my tag. Anthony says earning helmet stickers was his favorite Ohio State tradition, and no one collected them with greater passion. The free-spirited, aggressive offense disruptor was second on the team with 82 tackles in 2005, including seven for losses. He's a tough, durable, physical specimen, evidenced by the fact that he set world weightlifting records for the 19 and under 220 and 240-pound weight division with deadlifts of 662 and 672 pounds he goes wild boar hunting with yes. just a knife yes. and a dog <laughs> <laughs> that's what they put for me agents like all american bobby all american flags he lifts weights and kills pigs with a knife <laughs> <laughs> rambo <laughs> so <collects> helmet stickers <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah passionately yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> so, so Anthony, I, w- I want to ask. There's, there's a story about you that's kind of become legendary. Uh, state fans. Hey, hang on a second, real process. quick. Of- real quick, there's somebody named Kyle Waters entering. Yeah, the- that's my, that's my, well, that's my boy from back home. I told him to jump on. All right, well, I just want to make sure. He's got like 600 acres out in Danville. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's I, a big honor. I just want to make sure we weren't going to get zoom bombed here by something crazy. So yeah, zoom he's bombed. a little bit nervous because I'm not sure. You know, he he doesn't get out of the woods a whole lot. He's never really been on a podcast. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but I told him to jump on because he's cool as shit. I can go walk him, man. with him and uh, and hunt with him. I'm going hunting with him next week for uh, shotgun shotgun week. Awesome, Kyle. Can you Pretty hear good. us? Hell yeah, man. Well, I let unmute him in. Yourself, Kyle. He'll have to unmute himself. <laughs> yeah, it's, it it's tough. You know, Zoom. They don't have, they don't have Zoom out. Fucking, uh, <laughs> out out the way. Cell phone service. All the services just go way down out there. So. Right. Yeah. Well, so where, do you guys, where do you guys mainly hunt around in, in Ohio? Oh, uh, we're all over the place. A little bit of, we're over on the east side um, of the city, but like, I have a couple spots, private land, but Paul and I will both go out public. We actually just got back from the state up north. Uh, we we spent a week up there trying to take their deer. So, hey, we have about the there? the most exciting thing we had. We about got to wrestle a black bear. Have you ever done that? That was pretty cool. Yeah, he stole one of our deer. So one of the deer carcasses. Drag it right off the trailer. It, we haven't even told. And then ate a casserole the next day. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't even told that story. But the, we had a deer no. on the trailer, and all of a sudden we hear this noise. It's like this clanging outside, and then. Uh, we all go running to the windows. There's four of us. The one guy's like, oh, it's a wolf. The other guy's like, no, it's a bear. I'm like, he's stealing my deer. And Paul's like, hey, bear fucker, get back here. And then the bear <laughs> dropped the, the deer. And like, the, we, we spent an hour yeah. like with a gun and a flashlight trying to keep him away from the deer until we could figure out what to do with it. But it was crazy. Th- <laughs> things that don't happen in central Ohio. Facts. <laughs> That is true. All right, so Schlegel, let's. Uh, so the the story of you and I was a recruiting trip 
when you were when you were looking to transfer from the Air Force Academy, or, and and so I know Bobby Carpenter was involved. I've I've heard the story on the radio years ago. It sounds insane. So, so the, give it the full R-rated version of that. It's all the yeah, stuff I you mean, couldn't say on the fan. Yeah, our, our uh, you know Jeff knows those guys, which is hysterical. But our recruiting trip. I mean, I I came in and I was. Again, I left the Air Force Academy. This was before the transfer portal. Like you had no clue what was going on. So I had just visited South Carolina, and I liked it. You know, they got lots of they got deer, they got pigs, they got turkey. I'm like, this would be great. And then I came up to Ohio State midweek. Nobody comes on a recruiting trip midweek, and AJ and Bobby were like freshmen. They're like, hey, we need you to, you know, host this 25 year old cadet from the Air Force Academy. Well, 25, I was like 21. He's like, we need to host this guy. So anyway, so we go out and, you know, it's like, hey, uh, you want, you know, you drink? And I was like, oh, you know, I'll have one. And next thing you know, I'm just just holding pictures, which is fantastic because that's how I like I like to do it back then. And then next thing you know, we, we end up going to the Blackwell. And uh, I was like, hey, guys, you know, charge it to winning. I was like, you guys look like you could use a chair. So we end up taking, like, the chair – I think they walked out with some bathrobes. We were like taking them down the back stairwell of the Blackwell. I think they took everything out of that thing and took it over to Moral Tower and had it for their entire time there. <laughs> AJ might have still had the chair when he was living with Bangle. I don't know. But it was a great time. And then the next day, I, I don't know how I got there, but I think it was um, – no, it was. D'Antonio came into my room because they couldn't give me a wake. It was just like it was a trail of clothes that just went to the bed. <laughs> It's like legs wake up, you know, and then I was in there and they were just doing their whole recruiting thing. And I probably fell asleep. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, at the end of the day, when you come to Ohio state, it was, it was about the guys we had trestle and, you know, it was really the most similar to the air force Academy from a, from a brand and around a lot of them since, you know, um, having sold my product all over the place. There's nothing like Ohio State. I mean, the closest thing is the academies. It's a different type of brotherhood because you're serving together for our country. But other than that, Ohio State's the best. It's where it's at. I mean, if you look at like Jeff, I mean, Jeff graduated in 2015. I coached Jeff, but he's a brother of mine. And there's guys like Ryan Miller and Fickle. Those guys are, you know, six years past us, right? And then you go look at, you know, the Ewan Hicks of the world that were in the, the late 80s and, and – you know, you got the 70s and Archie and all those guys. And we all know them. We're all in the Buckeye crews. We're doing philanthropic work around Columbus. And at the end of the day, it's just Buckeyes, you know. Uh, you're there for them all the time, regardless of what is needed. It's just Buckeyes. I love that. Buckeyes, man. That's what it is. I mean. Guys uh, being dudes. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, what was your recruiting process like? How, how, how was that? Because you played for – you, well, you, I got recruited by Tress. For... Well, recruited okay. by Tress, and like I mean, kind of fell in love with Tress. That was, uh, you know, between that and kind of hitting the spring game, um, you know, and, and 100,000 100, people in a spring game. I was like, oh, you know, shit. Uh, so recruited by Tress came in early in January um, that year. That kind of everything everything went down. Um, you know, so my first kind of, you know, six months was a little, a little, a little shaky on a TP whipping out of the, out of the Woody and the, you know, Nissan, uh, 300, I think that, uh, you know, that, that video was, and, uh, that's what everybody got suspended. Trust got, you know, uh, uh, resigned. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was like, whoa, 
Um, but then, you know, it's like one of those things, you, you know, you play that year and then, you know, the next year urban comes in and I was from Naples, you know, and urban was at university of Florida when I was coming out and he, you know, never really recruited. He was, you know, uh, he, and I never, I didn't really fit that. Like, you know, Hernandez, you know, we were, you know, shifty, you know, uh, athletic tight end. I, you know, it's kind of more that I don't know, pro style, you know, Slade's knows, right? Like bench press and fucking tight end, not the, uh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, not <laughs> killing right. people and doing drugs. You were, you were something else. I got you. Yeah, well, I, you, know, <laughs> you know, aside from that, you know, I don't think, you know, we need to get into that. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so then, you know, Herb gets hired after the, after the you know, first year with Coach Vick. And, like, you know, I'm like, man, this dude didn't even want me. And I was from, I was from Naples. And so, you know, I remember getting hired and I'm like, man. So I called Les Miles at LSU because LSU was my second choice. My dad wouldn't let me go to LSU. He said, uh, I, you know, I was like, I kind of really want to go to LSU. And I'd fallen in love with the recruiting chick there. She was she was sweet. Uh, you know, blonde hair, Louisiana chick. Uh, and then, you know, I went to night, night game in Arkansas. So anyways, told my dad I want to go to LSU. <laughs> He's like, what are you, you know, what are you going to do when you're done, you know, you know playing at LSU? You're going to be a shrimp for the rest of your life? And <laughs> Forrest Gump. Like at the time, you know, I'm not thinking like that, you know, but that's how a dad thinks. Like that's how I, I would think now, you know, looking at just kind of you know, like how do you set your kid up for, you know, the, the most success, you know, after football. Um and uh so you know called called Les at LSU and said, yo, you know, can I can I come? Still got a spot for me. He said, Yeah. So then Irv gets hired. You know, he comes in the first thing, you know, he like motherfucks this like, you know, first sentence out of his mouth to the actual <laughs> new team, you know, it's, you know, somehow, you know, motherfucking us. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, this dude didn't even want me, you know. And so I just went into his office and I, you know, I was like, yo, no hard feelings. Like, if I'm not going to, you know, play here, if I'm not going to fit your offense, like, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I'll just, you know, I'll go somewhere else. No big deal. And, you know, he kind of said... Uh, you know, no, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to make, you know, uh, you know, my system, you know, kind of fit the guys that I have here. I'm not going to try to you know, plug these guys in there, you know, a system and then, you know, things like that. So, you know, between that and then already having like that year, like to your point of, you know, kind of the, the, the brotherhood had already started at that point, you know, like after you've gone through your freshman year, like you're already there. It's, you know, you can't rather the new coach comes in, he didn't fucking recruit you, and, you know, whatever. Uh, you just can't, you know, it's like, it's there. And I think that was one, uh, that was one of the biggest, uh, you know, decisions ever was not only choosing Ohio state, but then deciding to stay, uh, you know, Ohio state, not only once, but twice, like, you know, choosing to stay after Herb was hired. And then after my junior year, um, you know, deciding to stay for my senior year, which, you know, like coming back and, and winning the national championship, uh, I was like, shit, you know, so I don't know. Moral of the fucking story is just stick with the brotherhood and you'll be all right. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That is well, crazy. you know what, though? Like, because that brotherhood, I mean, the, the thing that, that Jeff talked about, which is huge right now in the transfer portal, and I think the transfer portal is great. I transferred. But really, like, Ohio State is in a unique position because it also sets you up for life after football and the connections, not only that Jeff and I made when we're in the league or where we're from or being in Naples and being back, you know, from Texas, but Columbus is a big, small town, but it's also the 15th largest city and it's growing. And so those connections that get you in the door simply for the fact, because you are a good hire 
or Anthony Schlegel gives you not necessarily a leg up, but it gets you a seat at the table to at least put your best foot forward, whether or not they want to hire you or potentially do business with you. Why I decided to start my business there, because if you're trying to manufacture a product and you don't know anybody, but you can at least get in and talk to the owner and get 60 day terms right out the bat, simply because you said my yes is yes and my no is no and I'm a Buckeye, guess what? People are more willing to do business with you than they are somebody else. And that's yeah, a very special sure. thing and something that we don't take lightly. Yeah, you get sure. a lot of things, you know, but I still don't have an, an Ohio buck. You know, just saying. Kyle, just you, saying. That's, that's, that's a lot that's of pressure, Kyle. Kyle. That's our Kyle. Kyle. Do you get your audio figured out? Yeah, Kyle, you know, he's still trying. You, you, you're in the fucking Zoom manual. <laughs> can you guys hear me? Yes. We can hear you, Kyle. I can hear. Uh, I'm trying to figure all this shit out. There's a lot going on. It's first hit, the little, hit the little camera. Turn your off. Turn well, your you guys got on. nice ass fucking offices and everything. Hang on. No. Start Where video. There it is. Where Start you at? video. Fucking tree stand. You, are you trying to be quiet? Up, <laughs> the morning. It's too late to be tree standing. There, there, there it is. Look at this hunting guru. <laughs> yeah, I'm all dressed up here in sunny Florida. You guys uh, all got sweaters on. It's cold, yeah, man. It's cold. Uh, <laughs> uh, short, short sleeves. Jeff, what were you saying? Uh, Did you tell everybody that you refuse to buy a bow before you start talking about the buck you haven't killed? Oh, here we fight. <laughs> you know what? I'm trying to actually, the last thing I want to do, I'm not, you know, very experienced bow hunting. Actually, do it. Slags, I, Slags, I got a funny ass, I got a funny ass story for you real quick on bow hunting. Hi, baby. I'm on this podcast thing for just a hot sec. So, but Slags, so, you know, Kyle, yeah, right? Like, I don't shoot a bow, so that's his fucking excuse to keep me off the fucking property. Um, and so, anyway, Slakes, in college, I'm going to love this. So, I get a bow, uh, fucking, you know, maybe, I don't know, like, junior year of college. So I don't know, sophomore, junior year of college. And we're at the Woody one day. Joel and I are at the Woody learning how to shoot it. You know, I just got this bow shipped up from one of my buddies in Florida. It just showed up on the front. I had no idea how to use it. Never shot one before but, you know, we're smart enough and, like, dude, you know, we got it, right? We're out there shooting it at the fucking Woody in the in the uh, the outdoor fields there. And we got the target set up and shit. Fucking Chris Carter walks out. Uh, uh, D-Lo, uh, you know. I remember. I know Chris Carter. Yeah, I just didn't want you to confuse it with the other Chris Carter. No, I was not confused. I don't know <laughs> what you were talking about. Side um, nugget, I was, I was in charge of helping Chris Carter be 340 pounds as opposed to 400 pounds. That's we'll another side nugget of the straight coach. Yeah, that's a, that's a different ball game. Anyway, so, love Chris. We're Chuck Taylors every day. Every day. I mean, just you know, and but they only last. I mean, you know, Chucks are you supposed to last a long time? But when there's that much force and power, you know, going in those Chucks every every step. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Chris was like this dude was. I mean, he was not like fat, fat. He was just like massive. Yeah, massive human. Massive. Anyways, come, Chris Carter comes out. You know, this is like, I don't know, I've shot this bow a handful of times, learning how to get it. I'm going to get it down, you know, Ohio bow hunting. I can, Chris Carter comes out, say, can I shoot it? And I'm like, I mean, I mean yeah, you know, Buckeye brother, right? Like, you're not going to tell your Buckeye brother, no, you can't shoot my bow. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. All right. Pulls it back, fucking dry fires the thing, and it literally explodes. I mean, like, like fucking pieces start flying everywhere. The fucking thing snap. It's all crooked. And like, I didn't even, at the time, I didn't even know what dry fire was. And we're like, 
what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, it's the last time I ever touched a bug. Yeah. So what, what did you say to him? I mean, this guy, like this massive human being, we're like, dude, what the I hell? Mean, yeah, like, like, like what you just did to my bow? I didn't even really know. I actually, at first, I was like, what kind of piece of shit bow is this? You know what happened? <laughs> I didn't even know. We're kind of like, what the fuck? But of course, you just take the pieces in a box back to Vance's. You're like, this, this doesn't I'm work like, right. You know, fucking, I'll never forget that. You know, Chris. Uh, that's that's no. that's and funny. You kind of knew he was going to screw something up. You know, he's like this massive. Yeah. He just grabs his bow. <laughs> just sorry, bro. Just walks off. So I I want to I want to ask you two you two guys you both you both played for Jim Trestle at some point so as 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 Buckeye fans like we just get the Jim Trestle that we see at the press conference this like super polished like you know the WWJD bracelet like just this this perfect individual and then like during games you see those flashes of just like pure insanity and you're like this is sweet I like this guy so what what was Jim Trestle like in the locker room man when it's just it's just that Buckeye brotherhood go ahead Jeff. You start us off. I mean, this isn't really a question for me to be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't play for Trust like that. I, I was recruited for Trust, and then, you know, recruited by Trust, and I was there for, I mean, like, dude, ten spring practices. Oh, that's right. You know, so that's I, right. I, that's honestly were, not a question for me. Well, I'll, I'll put it this way. So, I'll, I'll give you an answer, and then I'll tell you a story. Trust was exactly like he was. I mean, that's just him. He's polished. He's also the only guy that's been a president of a university without a doctorate. And it's, it's really for one reason and one reason only. And it's the same reason why I went there, why, why Jeff went there. It's because trust is great at the relationships. Like he's literally a dude that if he meets somebody one time, he will remember their name and probably their spouse's name. And if they have kids and if he's met him multiple times, he'll know their kid's name. Like, I mean, even to this day, and I'm 41 years old, like he'll text me happy birthday to my daughter, Faith, you know, him and his wife, Ellen. They're just phenomenal people, but he cares about people and he's an elite at the relationship. So, and I think his thing was he always wanted to be even keel in the game of football where it is a game of emotion and, and it's a little bit of a roller coaster and it's, it's riding that wave sometime. And you have guys, and again, very different. Urban's very, very different. Than Jim, Jim Trestle. But guess what? They both won at a high level. I would say, you know, that's probably the one thing I always took away from Tress is just he cared about you as a person. I mean, guys, let's face it. I mean, my first two weekends at Ohio State, I should have been dead or in prison already. Like, he, he literally called up my wife when we were engaged and said, hey, listen, you know, when are you guys getting married? Because <laughs> I, I, I have from a lot of sources that Anthony will either be dead or in prison if you guys will get married soon. And we did. We bumped it up to where we got married on Valentine's Day in 2004. Anyway, side nugget. I've only heard Tress cuss one time. One time. And it was to a Bobby Carpenter. Again, of course, of all the people, of all the people, that would be the one guy that you would cuss at. And it happened to be... I mean, Jeff knows him. Jeff sees him all the time. Like, but I, I fucking know him. He was my landlord for three years. <laughs> I know him way too fucking well. So we're playing Penn State at night. The first whiteout. It's a Friday. We fly into Harrisburg. Uh, we normally you fly in. There's like a little airport there in Happy Valley, but because of the weather, we had to fly to Harrisburg and then bus up. And we get on this bus, and of course, Bobby, I, you know, I haven't eaten. Ah, just, I mean, just being so loud in the bus and me and AJ are kind of sitting there like AJ 
is sitting like directly next to him. And I'm kind of, I think I might've been in front. I was in front of him. So it was myself. Bobby was directly behind me. AJ was directly to the side of, 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 um, <laughs> of Bobby. And there was, first off, there was some really like obscene boondock saints movie was playing on there. And Ellen's sitting in the front of the bus. Like this was just absolutely amazing. Anyways, Bobby's out there just losing his mind. And then all of a sudden I just see trust, Stand up with his little sport coat on and a sweater vest and a tie. And he walks back into the back and just unloads a solid F-bomb right on the Bobby Carpenter. You know, like, please just shut the, you know, up. I'm like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm in shock. I've never heard him say a cuss word in my entire career. And he just looked Bobby dead square in the eyes and just shut him up with that. And then walked back to the front, sat down. And then Boondock Saints just continued to roll <laughs> <laughs> on the video monitor. And we drove, I don't know, an hour up to Harrisburg and, and played. And we ended up getting beat that game, which I still which still haunts me to this day. Anyways, you know, Tress is the man. He just retired. Um, and he, he cared about his players on a, on, a, on a deep, deep level. Yeah. No, that's 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 cool, man. That's uh, that's a good story. Like, so did, did Carpenter say anything, or was he just like, oh man, no, I like, mean, like listen, a little kid no, that just messed up and his daddy yelled at him? Listen, out. you can't, you can't. I mean, there's nothing you can say to trust. Yeah, know? I mean, just you just shut his mouth. Man, we just all like, oh man, he just swore at you. Like, like shut up. I missed that on the statistics box. It doesn't say that he was the only yeah, person to be sworn at by stress. I know it should have been on there. Right, that was true. That's a fact. Oh man, uh, Kyle, do you, you you have you killed a deer yet this year in Ohio? I have not. No, do you, it's been a rough one. Do you bow hunt much and just just have That's, a hat? Yeah, just yeah. bow hunt. There you Actually, go. I'm doing shotgun this year for the first time in ten years. Probably. Okay. I got and some so family you're... coming up, so I'm playing okay. outfitter more than anything. Very um, good. Now. Um, I'm doing a shotgun, actually. <laughs> so you're, so you're, so you're bringing Jeff is coming to your property to hunt to get his first Ohio buck, right? That's the that's yeah. a lot of pressure, man. You ready for that? I we're gonna follow. So. We're gonna follow up. Yeah, okay. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make sure. You got a yeah, nice, you got know, a nice yeah. spike the, picked put, out. Keep putting the pressure on him. Keep putting the pressure on him. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. High high expectations. Boone yeah. and Crockett only. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. What was that? What was that big one you shot last year, though, Kyle? Uh, I shot a one fifty seven eight point last year. Damn. Nice. That's a big That's deer. Yeah. deer. Yeah. You got turkey. You got turkeys up there, Kyle. <laughs> we do. Um, it's a full work in progress for everything. But the turkeys are turkeys are tough. I don't know what happens, but they're they're all flocked up this time of year. I got 20, 30, 40 groups of them, and then come spring, the gobblers go to roost wherever they roost, and they're just they're gone. I don't know what it is. Can't figure it out. Well, Paul, you need help finding them in the spring, and just let me know. Okay. You guys don't know. I'll, this. I'll be up there. I like the mushroom hunting more than anything, but. I'm definitely oh, there up there. Go. That's good. That's you guys, good you guys don't realize this, but every it doesn't matter what topic we're talking about. A deer, you know, you name it. Paul has to get turkeys in there somewhere. He's the turkey guy. So now he's <laughs> every got, time. Got that yeah, we even talking about hunting moose in Alaska, and be like, I heard a turkey gobble the other day. <laughs> doesn't matter. So you, you can't see it. There's fans all the way behind me, and that I, I, I have, I have an issue. I will admit that with with the wild turkey. Where, so. where are the biggest turkeys at? Where are the biggest turkeys at? Oh man, like in Ohio. Um, I mean, Easterns are definitely like the biggest of the subspecies. Like Eastern and, United States, obviously. Yeah. Oh my God. Eastern just, United States. Um. Yeah. No, I know. But yeah. Like, no. No. We're, no. Yeah. We. This train is off the tracks. We're talking about turkeys. So. 
Sligo, buckle up. Um, Let's talk. I've actually, <laughs> actually, I've killed a turkey. Uh, you know, I did actually with a guy. There was a guy. There's a guy named Bill Boone. He hunts. I mean, I actually, yeah, I got a fucking couple hunting stories. I'm gonna call real quick. Let me just let me just throw this. Yeah, in there. bring him on. Come on, man. So my, you know, my grandpa. Me hunting. I actually got a picture of me with my first hog somewhere around here. But anyways, he, you know, been in Florida forever. Uh, you know, grew up down there. You know, he was, uh, you know, he just passed away at 90 something years old. Um, but, you know, one of his good friends, his name is Bill Boone. He's a like a, a legend in Florida. Billy Boone. Bill Boone. Um, he's got like four total fingers. Like he's like something like bit like this. <laughs> From, from airboat accidents um he's like i mean he's a legend because he's got no fingers he's a fucking electrician in out out lake okeechobee and hunts the he hunts the like likes brothers like the likes hot dogs like that family's uh you know he's in charge of their hunting operations on the likes family and it's like forty thousand acres you know kind of in the middle of the state so, like, you know, he's like the fucking Tom Brady. Like, Grandpa's like, you know, we're going to hunt with Bill, Bill Boone. I'm like, fuck, you know, that's like going to play catch, you know, with Tom Brady or some shit. And <laughs> we go out there and we're turkey hunting. And this motherfucker, I mean, I'm talking, we sat in a spot <laughs> for four hours. And he's got this little thing in his mouth. And, you know, I mean, I'm talking four hours, you know, I've been asleep for an hour and a half. Uh, you know, he doesn't even move, doesn't move a muscle, just does a little thing in his mouth. And, you know, and he, he's like, listen, and I'm like, bro, there's fucking nothing out there. I mean, you know, you can't hear any birds. There's nothing. And, you know, so sure enough, he goes, you know, after a few, a few hours, we get up and he's like, all right, you know, and I'm talking, we're walking, we're barely moving you know, for 20, 30 minutes, like he'd go this way and he'd do his little thing, go this way. And I, I couldn't hear one fucking, and I just got my ears checked not, not too long ago and I'm still perfect here. I could not hear one thing. And sure enough, he goes, all right, all right. he goes, all right, we're going to walk right around here. And right when we walk around this corner, he's going to be sitting right there. And he said, you got to put, I had a little red dot on the top of the, uh, on the top of the shotgun. I know that's, you know, I don't know, maybe cheating, but no, no, that's uh, good. You know, I had a little red dot up there, and I and I walk get around the corner. And sure enough, this fucking turkey is standing right there, and I'm like, oh my god! You know, and I'm like, I mean, I'm probably, you know, I don't know, 14 yards from the thing, like, and I just, you know, boom, right there. And that was it. And I, it was it. I mean, the guy's a legend, you know, out there. But that's so that's probably is, like, I just don't know. So yeah, so that's talk, probably an Osceola turkey too. That's yeah. that's like that is a crown jewel, man, of the of the turkey subspecies. So where, where's your favorite uh, your favorite turkey hunting? Like what part of the country? My favorite, I like Alabama. I I, I hunted there for the first time this year. That was a blast, uh, man. I I thought to say like Kentucky and just southeastern Ohio. What makes that your favorite turkey hunt? Alabama. Yeah, or just um, I th- the terrain was crazy. I mean, like you get the mountains, you get the Appalachian Mountains, you get uh, like these giant, you know, like uh, like pine forest, the Loblolly Pines, and it's like sandy, and it's just such it's such a different terrain than what we're used to in Ohio. And there's a ton of turkeys, and like you like the Talladega National Forest, it's like it's like half the size of Ohio, man. Like you could walk for days and not even see anybody else. 
So it's pretty cool. neat. The only thing I don't like about Alabama and that and the, you Florida guys are used to are the snakes. I freaking hate the snakes. <laughs> They're everywhere. And I'm constantly like I the the, the first like run in I had with with a giant cotton mouth with this year. And I was like, you know, I'm going back to Ohio. I don't like the state. I'm out. Not enough. I'm not even, I'm not even a turkey. Hunt. I'm just going to my truck. So don't like the snakes, man. Not 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 big on those. So I hear you. Yeah, no, that's it's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll get over that. So, Jeff, I want to ask you about. So, we asked a little bit about Trestle, Urban Meyer. That guy's a freaking legend. Uh, I mean, maybe not Billy Boone status, but definitely a legend. Uh, in close. His, <laughs> yes, close. He's working hard. Yeah, go, there, not a lot of people go with Boone status. <laughs> yeah, Dude, I'll tell you what. I like the glasses that Urban's wearing on the big noon. The the sunglasses that he looks like freaking Morpheus is what he looks like. I'm I'm, I'm digging that. I'm digging that look. So, so Urban Meyer, man. I mean, we we get like. Is fans we see is he exactly what he is like what he's like on the podium when he's talking to the fans or is, is does he just flip a switch and i mean the intensity is i feel like it's always just like simmering under the edge man or under under the surface and just like flipping a switch what was it like playing for him Ooh. i mean herbs herb is uh i mean he you know he's the he's one of the greatest kind of leaders you know what i'm saying and motivators you know, just of, I think of men, I mean, you know, Herb is, Herb is, uh, is a special cat. I mean, he is, um, he's almost, you know, so authentic and, and, you know, that he can't, he he has a hard time kind of, you know, flipping that switch off. And um, it's what, you know, part of what makes him so special uh, part of, you know, how he was, you know, able to really, you know, bring, uh, you know, a team and guys together, the, you know, the way he would. And, and, I mean, you know, Slags knows, like, you know, he, he you know, between, you know, kind of him and, and, and Mickey and Slags and these guys, I mean, that, that mindset that kind of, you know what I'm saying, trickled from the top um, throughout the program was, was really something, <laughs> something special, bro. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, are there were there pros and cons to it? Yeah, there were pros and cons to it, just like everything in life, you know. Um, would I go back and do it again? Absolutely. Um, but you know, and that's you know, so funny story. God, it's amazing how I mean, I, fuck, I honestly didn't know this one's really not about hunting, but it's kind doesn't of matter, like, man. Yeah, it doesn't so matter. My so my so Herb gets hired my sophomore year, and we go hunting or we go down to spring break down in Florida, and. I, you know, I go hog hunting or whatever, and I get back, and we're walking down the long hallway at the Woody, right? So, like, you know, that, yeah, yeah. you know, walk in, I see Herb at the end of the hall, and like, I mean, Herb has not been nice up to this point, you know, like it's been. This is spring break after we just went through Hell Week, and you know, we we're right, Hell Week. It's like when when they when he first took the job, there were a couple of guys that were late for the the meeting, and kind of consequently, those guys are. Still playing in the NFL, the two guys that were late. I'm not going to mention who they were, but it's kind of funny. Norwell. Yeah, Norwell and Lindsley. Anyways. Yeah. Um, side two studs. Note, two what studs. <laughs> what, we did, what, what we did to these guys, I mean, we they, they kicked them out of the locker room. Remember that? It was they outrageous. Had their, they had to wear their own gear, and we had 5 a.m. workouts outside the Woody on the grass field. Couldn't show anything Ohio place. State. Yeah, only the things that they had like in their dorms, and we just trained them for like an hour and a half to six thirty 
and then they had to leave and like go back to their dorm or apartment. And I, could, well, I, could, we could, I could walk. I mean, you know. And, uh, and then you had Zach Board out there like, you can't break us. And it's like, oh, my gosh, Zach. Yeah, I'm, we are going to break you. We had to lunge. We had to do the 100-yard lunges. Remember, you couldn't any little misstep in between. Send everybody back. But anyways, uh, back to Herb. That That's what Herb has been up to this point. I mean, like I'm saying, not whatever. So I would get in the hallway. I see him at the other end. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, here we go. You got that, like, interaction coming. What do you say? You know, because there's a, you know, like, the way Herb works is like, dude, if Herb's thinking about something, he's walking out of the hallway. I mean, you know, there's a there's a chance he might literally walk right by you and not even make contact with you. And it's not. That's a, that's a fact. Well, and it's not him being an asshole. It's just, like, that's him. Yep. So just focused, just, just dead to the world, in. man, just in his own mind. We run into each other, and I'm sitting there. And, like, I've had very few conversations, really, you know what I'm saying, with Urban up to this point. And so Urban and then it's Brian Voltolini. Uh, well, you know, if anybody ever wanted to, you know, like, dig up all the dirt that exists in Ohio State, so they would torture Brian Voltolini. And so what is, what is his role within the program? <laughs> but anyways – so Brian, he's, a, he's a director of football operations. Excellent. Yeah. It, Brian Voltolini, Herb, and me. Herb's like, you know, and I just got back from spring break. He's like, well, yeah, it was spring, it was spring life. He's like, hey, you know, have a good time. What'd you do? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, just hang on. You know, I did some hog hunting. You know, it's down there. You know, and, and it's riding on a swamp buggy. And this dude turns around in the middle of me telling the hog hunting story and walks away. <laughs> Didn't, didn't say a word. And Bolt's still standing there, and I'm like, you know, like, what the, you know, what the fuck? The, what did I say? Is he, is he, is he against hog hunting? Or, you know, like, <laughs> what, what the fuck's the deal here? And, uh, you know, Bolt says, you'll learn. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? And, like, and that's just how Herb is, right? Like, he meant no disrespect for, to me, you know, uh, because, you know, as I, you know, went through the next two years, you know, I got really close with Herb, and, you, you know, he was a very – impactful you know person kind of you know in my uh in my football career and my life and things and um uh, you know so I got close to him and I I really understand how you know he thinks and he didn't mean harm you know but if I didn't get close to him and didn't know him and I was interacting with him you know what I'm saying somewhere or or trying to you know you know get his attention or something and you know sometimes he can kind of you know come off the wrong way and I think um you know over you know, the course of the, the course of the years, I you know, I unfortunately I think a couple of people might have gotten, you know, rubbed the wrong way or something because, you know, it, it's one of those things. It's it's you know, you want to know the, the key to the key to failure, you know, it's trying to please everybody type thing. Um and I think, you know, over the years you might have just, you know, with his laser focus and things, I mean, you saw it, you know, the slags was fucking you know, I mean, firsthand in the middle of it, uh, you know, in Jacksonville. Um and I think, you know, the way he started getting kind of, you know, attacked from all angles. It was almost like, you know, he might've walked by a few of those people in some hallways, uh, you know what I'm saying? And, and been too focused. Well, so, I mean, like that, I mean, cause it's funny that, that Jeff said that. Cause I remember one time I'm in the weight room, I coached for him. Right. So I have Bobby Carpenter standing there. James Lordinus is there. Cause we have like an old man group of guys that were still playing in the league. We all worked out. I'm on the bench. Urban comes in. And literally almost teabags me as he's shaking James. I'm like literally on the bench like this. And I just racked it and he like comes up and it's 
stuff's like almost in my face and just shakes James Laurinaitis' hand, says what's up to Bobby, and then leaves. Doesn't even acknowledge like I exist and I want to. Falls on your face, then just walks. This close, like, well, shakes their hand, doesn't even say, hey, Schlepp, just leaves. And you know what, though? Like, the the, the other point to Jeff is uh, one thing that stands out to me about him is that he was fanatical for his players in the sense that he had unbelievable demands or he placed unbelievable demands on his coaches to equip his players in a fanatical sense. And if you weren't about that, it would rub you the wrong way. And it would push you out because he only thought that there was one way and there's always more in the tank for you to do. I mean, I remember one time, I mean, I, I think I had left. I don't, I don't remember, but like it played really bad in a ball. I think it was after I had left in like 15 or 16 and they had played a bad bowl game and he made all the coaches change rooms so that they could have a better appreciation for how they taught the athletes. You know, who do I, I like teach. I like, this is my, this is a linebacker room. This is a tight end room. Bump your room. Teach your guys better. You know, we just went 11 and one. Awesome. What do you want? We didn't win a national championship. Get better. You know, so I mean, that's the demand he placed on his coaches to prepare and equip their players is something that I think obviously helps his players, but it's something that is fanatical. And, and you got to be about that life or GTFO. It's uh, definitely a characteristic that a lot of great leaders over t- history have had. So um, I don't think that's a huge surprise, at least in my, my mind. But uh, looking forward to this week coming up, guys. Big game. The game, right? Uh, only hap- It's been a few years since we've had undefeated versus undefeated going into... Um, 2006. But, yeah. I mean... I don't know. I, obviously, I, I have my opinions on on who's going to win, and uh, but I'm not the the football minded as you guys are. What do you see uh, going into Saturday? Um, both teams kind of had a little bit of a shaky game there last week. I really think Michigan was lucky to get past that one. But um, thoughts, projections, Kyle. What do you think, Kyle? Yes, Kyle. I think you're going to ask me. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear what you want. Uh, yeah. Sweet baseball player? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, like, yeah, for like six minutes. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I only listen to what everybody else says on TV about football because I have no idea what it's like in there. But I just feel like Michigan's not – I don't think they have it. And now they're talking about what's his name, Corum, is going to be out. Because yeah. one of their dudes said that, I don't know, well, everyone's got to step up around him or whatever it was, so he's like not playing. But I don't. I don't think it'll be a problem. What do you think, Jeff? Wow. You know what? Look, actually, I'm going to call Herb, and I'm going to see if they got a spot for there's, you. On, there's on, no on are Saturday. You, Waters. I'm going to see if they got a spot for you on Big Ten. What is it? Big put put them on, bro. Put them on. Put them on speakerphone if you would. So, <laughs> uh, so, so I, I, I wanted to my internet shit out there for a second. So, uh, Schlegel, if you want to jump in and add what you think is going to happen. Feel free. Yeah, I, 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 I'll tell you guys. This is this is where I really feel like I feel a lot of has been made this year about Michigan's running offense. And if you really look at it, you know, first off, they played the weakest schedule in the entire country from a non-conference perspective. Second, they rushed the ball with more attempts than Ohio State has by like almost a hundred. I think it's somewhere between eighty to a hundred reps. And again, that was before this last game, so I don't know if you put. 
Ohio State with that amount of attempts, we actually have more rushing yards than them. It's just it's not our fault that we have an elite passing attack, right? We have other people that can actually throw the ball downfield as opposed to a quarterback who can barely throw a crossing route. So that being said, it doesn't really matter what happens in the, during the season when it comes to the game. And, that, and, th- and this is true for all of the games uh, in my memory. I mean, just listening from Earl Bruce and even Tress and how Urban talked about the game, the game always comes down to two things. Who can run the football and who can stop the run, that being one. That's period, right? Like last year we saw we could not stop the run, took us out of our game. They were a more physical team for the first time in a long time than Ohio State. All right? I think offensively our running game is better. I think our defense is better with Jim Knowles. I think that we'll be able to stop the run this week. We're number 11th in the country in run defense. Okay? So, you know, we're, we're fine. This defense is a lot better than it has been at Ohio State because you have Jim Knowles and you have an actual system for the first time since Luke Finkel has been here at Ohio State. So that's one. Two, you can't turn the ball over. The teams that win the rushing battle and the teams that turn the ball over or who do, who do not turn the ball over are the ones that win this game. That's it, you know. So at the end of the day, then you add on the passing attack from Ohio State, and it doesn't matter what running back we have in there. Mark Pantone has done a phenomenal job of recruiting people, recruiting talent. And that's what makes Ohio State special top to bottom. You got, I mean, Jeff, yeah, Jeff, who played in the league, Nick Vanette played in the league. Who is your, who is the backup behind you guys, Jeff? Uh, Marcus Ball. Um, Marcus Ball had a stint. Like, listen, I mean, you got, you got guys, the depth in the room for all the guys to be able to go out there and perform is crazy. Michigan doesn't necessarily have that depth. They certainly don't have it at running back. So at the end of the day, I think, Ohio State's in a prime position whether or not they had a quorum or not. It's not going to matter. It's in the shoe. I think you're going to get the job done. Slags, are you going to wear that? Are you going to wear that that uh, hoodie bicep cutoff on to the game on Saturday? Or... <laughs> Let me see. Oh, that. No, I'm try- Let me see that I'm one trying- time. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not. A it's, a, it's a bicep. You know, fucking hoodie cutoff. <laughs> Exactly. Somebody's still gas station ready. <laughs> hey, you, hey, you, can you hook me up with a, a belt squat? You got any belt squats in any of your gyms or No man, I, I have my own gym here at the house. I don't have a belt squat. You build me one? Slaves Slay, can build a lot of shit. You build me a belt uh, belt squat. No, I just go buy just go buy that from Rogue. They're in town. They're in Columbus. They deliver. There you go. I know. I, quick, I looked quick, them up the other quick day. Lead I mean, time. You know, they're like they're expensive. They're like yeah. I mean, they're like you know twenty four hundred pounds and seventy six hundred dollars. And you know, I mean, I mean, I'm like holy fuck. You know, like that, that's you're going after the, that's too that's that's too much. Yeah, you don't need that. I know. That's what I was. You know, why don't you just maybe come up with something in the? Uh, I got you, man. I the got garage you. out there. You know. <laughs> So Jeff, uh, Jeff, are you on the same boat though? Are you you agree in agreement with Anthony? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. Look, I, and I, one of my least favorite <laughs> things, I've, one of my least favorite things I've ever done, honestly, was when I did, uh, uh, you know, football talk TV last year. <laughs> you know, it's fucking not. You know, I just I, I don't care. Right? Yeah. Like I'm one of those guys. Like I love like the general stuff, you know, but like, as far as getting into the, you know, the running backs and this and that, like it, last thing I feel like fucking talking about, honestly, um, you know, what I will say is 
I'm so glad that, you know, it's, it's a two versus three matchup, you know, one of the, and I, I heard a lady, uh, you know, the other day that she, you know, was asked me about the game and she's like, Oh, you know, I was, I was really hoping, you know, Michigan, you know, was gonna, was gonna lose on, uh, uh, on Saturday and, you know, and, and, you know, they, they were going to all be beat up coming into the game and, you know, blah, blah. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, lady, you know, you want the two versus three matchup, right? Like you want that game, you know what I'm saying? To be that meaningful. You don't want the, the meaningless. And when I say meaningless, I mean, you know, kind of in the, you know, your championship run, like where a lot of years, you know, that I played Michigan, we were, you know, undefeated or, uh, yeah, most. I mean, most, I think every year we were undefeated except one. Twelve, um, you were undefeated. Thirteen. Twelve, thirteen, we were undefeated. Fourteen, we weren't because we lost you got, you to Vatek. Yeah. So every year, you know, like we were undefeated, or you know, against Vatek, obviously we were going big to the championship game, and then had a chance of the playoff, and they were trash every year, you know. So they were just trying to like ruin our season. Where you know, it, it, is it still a, a huge game? Yeah, it's still the greatest game in all sports it still has a feeling like, you know, 10 times any other game. Um, but, you know, I, I just really wish I would have had a two versus three matchup, you know, because that's like, holy shit, you know. You like, know I, it's, that's I, like, I mean, that, that you know, in all honesty, like someone might say I'm crazy, but like a two versus three matchup or a one versus two, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, I mean, like, Fucking cool. Yeah. Beat Morgan in the national title game was like cool, right? Like, all right, you know, they were very good, honestly. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I've trained that all day long to go fucking have a, a one versus two, you know, yeah. Ohio State Michigan matchup. Yeah. I, I, you know, I grew up in Columbus and I, I remember the John Cooper years. I mean, it was, he was 210 and one. And as, an, as a fan, you're like, damn, we, like, we were going to win this game, you know, and then, and then Trestle came in and, the, and, and, and you guys were part of that culture, you know, Anthony, that was, that was pretty cool. So it was, I mean, you guys grew up, Texas and Florida, you know, I'm sure you watched Ohio State games growing up as kids. I mean, like, how, how did you get brought up into the speed of, okay, this is our rival, man. This is the this is the energy that we have as Ohio State fans and players and as just a family to hate Michigan. Like, how, how did you guys get brought up to speed with, uh, I'll, with that? I'll, actually, let me take that one first because, Slays, you'll, you'll like this. Honestly, you know who taught me? <laughs> this dude fucking hates Michigan. And you know, but you know who I learned the Michigan rivalry from was was Coach Fick. Okay. Oh yeah. That and he fuck he fucking hates. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, like, yeah. You know, so I, I one of the most loyal Ohio State. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Anti Michigan bros out there. Yeah. That's who I learned it from because that's who I played for for my first. And his year. blood. Yeah. yeah. Deep. I mean, he's a Columbus guy, and you know, and like trust. Trust did a great job. I mean, I, I transferred in during spring football. Ohio State was on quarters. And every spring football, like there's four weeks of spring football. And on the Saturday, you had some type of scrimmage. Trust would watch each quarter of the Michigan game for those four weeks before you went out to practice. And it was it was awesome because every what you do in that game matters. And everybody's watching both sides of the football in the meeting room of what you did the previous year in the game, you know, and it just, and then you went through it. Like he literally took you through the history of the game. Like I learned a lot just from Tress. And then we would have Earl Bruce come and like Bobby and I were talking about this on the radio the other day, like Earl Bruce would come in and literally talk about the Michigan game and how much he hates Michigan. And, 
And now if you lose that game, you're walking the back alleys. And, and if you win it, you can walk down High Street with your head held high. And you should have added it. You probably get free, Chipotle, you get free Chipotle and stuff. But, I mean, like that, like as soon as you walk on campus or in that building, you are taught like what the importance and the significance that you play in that game. And there's a lot of people counting, and that's why it's like, you know, Ohio against the world, and it really is. It's that mentality, and you're right, man. Vic hates them. And you're kind yeah. of like brain dead, honestly, because like dudes come from all over the country, right? So I don't care if you grew up Ohio. It, like I was opposite. <laughs> I grew up Michigan. I mean, honestly, like my dad played basketball at University of Michigan. I, you know, my first football memories ever. I actually saw my 30th birthday is on on Thursday, uh, and. You know, I see you. Happy birthday. Thanksgiving. Happy birthday, man. Yeah, happy Thanks, birthday. brother. Um, um, guys, looking to wrap up here, but uh, rest of the year, as far as your hunting plans go, back to that. All right. So we're going to switch switch degrees. Uh, Kyle, you want to you want to start off? What, what do I you, can actually talk about something. Yes. Yeah. Come on. What, what do we got on, uh, on the docket for the rest of the year? So pretty much last Saturday was the pinnacle of Florida. Duck open, dove opened quail open deer open back up so once it cools off it's not cool yet but i'll hit that especially ducks pretty hard december january i leave for the farm wednesday probably bow hunt friday and saturday and then get ready for the madness on monday and you're gonna um, you're gonna get jeff a nice spike out there so he can hold that yeah we'll put jeff on a nice two-year-old i'm gonna put it i'm gonna put it there for all my zoom calls it's gonna sit right oh yeah head. yeah no, i think 12 a 12 pointer <laughs> i think jeff would really enjoy muzzleloader season i love muzzleloader season up there uh, oh cold. yeah getting a no. ground blind and just wear it for all day long but yeah if jeff makes it out monday we'll we'll try but um I'm pretty much rut. Once the rut's over, I'm done. So I'm more entertaining. And then down here, we'll duck hunt for till February 4th, I think. How's the duck hunt in Florida? Is it pretty good? Pretty good. The only two good things. Kyle never takes me. Wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's actually the two hurricanes. They they both came in late and they brought a lot of water. So we have teal right now. It's just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. but we all, all we hunt is like flooded bahia fields and farm fields. So once the water's gone, the birds are gone. Um, but it's really good right now. Nice. Really good. And then fishing, fishing's hit or miss because the wind blows this time of year so much. But group will be good until January. Kobe are here. It's a good time of year. Man, you got it's it all. You got everything. Yeah. yeah. He's got everything. He's Mr. Kyle, are you, on the, are you on the west side? Are you on the west side? I'm sorry? Are you on the west side of Florida? Yeah, I'm in Naples. We got you. Yeah. Jeff, about oh, go ahead, man. Jeff, you're coming up to go out uh, and and get that first Ohio buck. Is that is that the plan? I am. Um, you know, <laughs> we're gonna keep putting the pressure on Kyle because whatever I shoot, honestly, it's coming right back on this podcast. And I'm putting your Instagram handle, Kyle. Don't have one. A picture of your face. We'll make your one. Address. And if it's not something to be proud of, you're going to get just shit. Just go ahead and put the location of the farm and the whole thing. You might need some baby-ass buck, and we'll see the response. We will hate on you, Kyle, for the rest Kyle, of your Kyle, yeah. your outfitting career can go one of two directions here. So. Yeah, uh, great. Exactly. Man, that's a lot of pressure. That's sweet. Anthony, what do you got on tab, man? Uh, I'm trying to find real quick. Uh, Waters and I um, – 
when we, last last when we went fishing. Uh, we caught that cobia. I have that video. I have no idea how to put it on this thing with boards. With Zach, yeah. did you see Zach's legs? He's screaming. <laughs> Can you post you gotta a video? See, uh, you got to see Zach. He's, he's. I mean, this picture honestly is like you know when he lays down in bed at night. He has it on his, you know, his <laughs> ceiling. He's got, you know, he's holding a big ass cobia. His fucking biceps are popping out. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, this thing was massive, though. Yeah, all I got, all I got for hunting guys is I got, I'm going up to Ohio. I got my boys uh, this week. They're gonna have a couple of their couple of their buddies down. I'm gonna put them in the best spot. I'm gonna bow hunt this week, and then, you know, break out the 350 legend and see if I can't do something because I mean I've hunted hard for not being there so if I happen to get something that's mature with a gun that's fine and then now I'm actually going to go to Michigan the following week and bow hunt there they say bring a muzzleloader so I'll probably bring a muzzleloader too I'll do it all I don't care I'll bring, just bring your warm I'll clothes just sta- I'll just stack them where are yeah, you at fine. Anthony in Ohio I'm in, yeah I'm in Ohio yeah that's yeah. the first attack and dominate and we're an hour and 20 minutes into this. I, I know. Well, that's why I'm, I'm trust me. I'm going to attack and dominate. Like, I can't wait to get up there. I tell them, I'm like, listen, you guys shoot whatever you want. Cause as soon as we do it, I'm going to teach you guys how to gun it. And then I'm going to take out those inner loins and we're going to put them around the freaking grill and you guys are going to love it. And then <laughs> I got some summer sausage in there. Like I'm, I'm ready to go. Like when I go up to, when I go up to the Ohio, I always come back like eight, 10 pounds lighter. Cause all I do is eat eggs eat venison and drink some bourbon and that's about it. And then I hunt the entire time or, or I go to my shop and I do work, you know, but I do, I got to sell some machines too while I'm there. So awesome. There you it's go. Good time. How do I, how do I share, how do I share my, uh, my screen? Jeff, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure. Show it. How? You got to get permission, Jeff. Oh shit! I'm you want just, the video? This is, this is amazing. It's like yeah. fucking high school. I mean, you know, can we get the fucking permission <laughs> off the podcast? I'm I mean, trying. Yeah, I don't know how this works. He's panicking. Oh god, we'll put it. We'll put yeah, it on Instagram a, with the. Uh, I want you. To, I want you to take. Yeah, take this. You know, take a screenshot of this and, and tag Zach's ass in it. Just s- send it text. Look at that! Look at that! Look <laughs> oh that my god! Wow! Oh yeah. He's I loving mean, it. Like and then he's got that his, makes uh, you feel like a badass, right? Oh yeah, he was Every loving picture. with the uh, the grouper. <laughs> so happy we caught run. fish that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because your ass was fucking staying out there if we didn't catch anything. Waters. I mean, it didn't catch like a fish until like one o'clock, and then all of a sudden, I know. The only reason we caught waters, you know, was like, hey, you know, we need some fucking numbers. Like, get us a fuck, get us some fish. I you know, we're like one o'clock. I see, I see, I see how they use you, buddy. I apologize. Yeah, it's all right. You do Let's all do the it. work. You got the boat. You take them out. You know everything. My Come boat. Out, my day, boat. The whole deal. <laughs> oh, it's your boat. Okay, you're we you're, you're just the ringer. Waters. We don't need to discuss. We don't need to discuss your little decision to you know. The, the the grouper limit, you know, maybe one of our grouper were a little close, <laughs> you know, and you fucking Mr. Filet job in uh, the cooler and, uh, you know, fucking, you know, the Border Patrol rolls up on us out there. And, uh, just yeah. eating raw fish. Yeah, literally, I'm like, you know, shit. Uh, we're definitely, we're definitely bleeping that out. It would have ruined my whole football career. I'd have been in, you know, I would have been in Cuban, uh, you know, prison for, 
under under fish. <laughs> what about you guys? What's your hunting like the rest of the year? Or Paul, you're just waiting turkey season. No, no, I'll I'll do. I, I'm going to start duck hunting, man. Uh, here, so yeah, I, I I've I've hunted enough. I, I I had a couple run-ins with some good deer. I I unfortunately missed both of them, but I'll do the gun gun season next next week. I've got a lottery hunt at Killbuck Marsh. Uh, that I'm looking oh sweet! To. So I'm like ten minutes yeah. from Killbuck. Okay, nice. Yeah, so I'm I'm on a controlled hunt up there. So one day controlled awesome. hunt with firearm. I'm really looking forward to that. It doesn't go towards your state total, which is is kind of cool. No shit. I've, yeah, I've got a I've got a controlled hunt at Clear Creek uh, Metro Park. I've got uh, a couple parks here in Licking County that I'm that I'm gonna hunt and uh, and I'm gonna shoot as many. Geese oh yeah, you're right. Can, so. You're right next door. I'm yeah. right outside yeah. of Danville. Okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Big big buck country here. So. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Big Amish country. Yeah, my yeah. Favorite. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. And then, and then my turkey season will start. I'm, I've got a, a hunt booked for for the first opening day of uh, Florida's Osceola season, first week of March. Wait. So, yeah, I black out about December first and just start hearing turkey gobbles. Who's your, Who's the outfitter? Is it down here in Mockley? Um, no, I'm. It's uh, it's outside. It's in Hendry Hendry County. Yeah, all those uh, likes leases are the Jeff okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's, yeah, it's outside. Of, it's in in Hendry County. Yeah, I think yeah, I don't 40, the 50. I don't okay, hell, it might be those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's but, pretty pretty neat, man. I'm looking forward to that one. So. Cool. Yeah. But gentlemen, thank you so much, man, for for your time for hopping on. Um, Anthony, where can people find you on social media if you uh, feel so inclined to give that information? Yeah, man. Uh, I don't. Anthony Schlegel, I think, or Schlegel Valley is on Twitter, and then you got at Difference USA. Those three. Very good. Yeah. Jeff, what about you, man? Um, yeah, actually, you know, my, my, my 30th birthday, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've kind of discussed, uh, you know, internally um, that I think it's time to, you know, have the joint Instagram with the wife now, you know, oh, so nice. I'm, I'm actually going to you know, say farewell to Instagram. Okay. Uh, I thought uh, it was an OnlyFans dang. plug coming is what was happening. Right. So, yeah, honestly, uh, you know, if you, if you need me, get in touch with slings. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Kyle, what about you, man? I'm social media free. You're uh, smart. Uh, smart man. That. Yeah, I'm good for you. Well, Jim, uh, thank you so much. And, uh, man, OH. I over. I know. Hey, thank you, boys, for having me. Yep. Yeah, thank you guys. You guys, thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you guys.